Welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to another episode of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And if you do me a favor, please subscribe to whoever you're listening. Please subscribe to whoever you're watching. It definitely means a lot to me. Oh, before we start, man, shout out to my man, Drew. Now, this is pretty much for the YouTube audience, I guess. But my man, Drew, uh, I went to Voorhees College uh, in South Denmark, South Carolina, I graduated from Voorhees College. I played basketball for three years in Voorhees College, or at Voorhees College. And my man Drew, uh, who's also a graduate of Voorhees College, took it upon himself to make a whole bunch of uh, Voorhees apparel, man. And, and that joint looks nice, man. I appreciate you, bro. Appreciate you. Uh, definitely, I put the link in the description below for if you want to support. I mean, you know, man, he's doing he's doing big things, man. So I appreciate it. But where we'll start is actually in college. And, of course, the biggest thing at this point is March Madness. And March Madness has been crazy. First and foremost, <laughs> everyone knows that I'm a North Carolina fan. Everybody knows this. Uh, so I'm going, you know, there's going to be a little bit of a, I guess you can say gloat for this episode, seeing as though. North Carolina finds themselves as one of the four teams in the Final Four. Uh, before, though, I, 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 you know, I, shouts out to St. Peter's. St. Peter's uh, small school in Jersey did did something that never been done, getting the a 15 seed to the Elite Eight. They and, and well deserved, man. They. They did they thing, man. They they be it ain't like they be scrubs. I mean, you make it to Elite Eight and you're a 15 seed. That means you had to beat some people. They beat Kentucky. They beat Purdue. They beat Murray State. That was on fire this year. They 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 did their thing. They just ran into a buzzsaw that is North Carolina. But shouts out to St. Peter's, man. They definitely deserve their shout out. They definitely deserve to make it. You know, seating is important clearly, but. Sometimes you're not – sometimes you click at the right time. You know, sometimes just because you're a 15 seed, just because you're an 8 seed, just because you're any type of seed doesn't mean it can't be beat. I mean, look a couple years ago when UMBC beat a Virginia. You know what I'm saying? A 16 seed beat a 1 seed. One first time – first and only time in NCAA history. So, it doesn't – you know, seeding really doesn't matter. You're in the tournament at this point. Uh, it's a ball out. So, shouts out to St. Peter's. But let's talk about the Final Four. The four teams that we have in the Final Four is Duke, North Carolina, which is actually the first time in both programs' history that they have seen each other in the tournament. And then on the other side, you have Villanova and Kansas. So I'm going to break down each team, how they got here, you know, predictions, this, that, and the third. Let's start with Duke. As we know... This has been Coach K's, you know, farewell tour. He, this is his last season coaching. And Duke came into the tournament with a lot to prove, clearly. Um, you, as, as a player, as an organization, you don't want arguably the greatest bat, uh, college 
head coach of all time to go out with a loss. And they they've been they've been on a run, man. Duke now Duke has has one thing that we questioned about Duke was can they bring can they match that can they can they elevate to an offense like to a to a championship level you have great players you have Bancaro you have um, Wendell Moore you have some really good players but can they elevate their play to a championship level their defense they're they're a really good defensive team the only problem is there are times when their defense wanes there are times when their offense wanes they're not the best offensive team but they they they've played well. I mean, they've they've beat everyone they had to beat. They beat Texas Tech in a good. They beat Michigan State. They've beat some really tough teams. And Duke right now was playing in my opinion, they're probably playing the first or second best as far as overall. Now, I'm not saying they are the first or second best. What I'm saying is as far as momentum, they're probably playing either the best basketball they played or the second best that's remaining. But Duke, Duke, this, the way that they're playing, I can very, very much, I can, I can see them winning at all. I can see them losing against North Carolina. That's how, that's how even this matchup, in my opinion, is, uh, now I'm not just saying that because I'm a North Carolina fan. I'm saying that because when you look at almost every win that Duke has had, every important win because uh, CSU folding. That's you know, but when when Michigan State they won that on the they won that because it was a it was a <laughs> the Michigan State game was a slog throughout the whole thing. Like neither team was really good offensively. It was defense kind of, or the Duke's defense kind of boggled down and. You know, got them to the got them to the win. Uh, Arkansas, pretty much the same thing. Uh, Ar- their their offense kind of took off, and it was just like, okay, well, I mean, dang Arkansas. So, Duke can beat you in a myriad of ways. It's just, you know, I don't think that they've played a team. They haven't played a team that's been able to capitalize on their lows. Meaning, Michigan State. Michigan State had a great opportunity to win that game. It's just. They're off. They 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 left their offense in what the 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 round of thirty two. Like it was it was bad. Or they left their offense in 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 the round of sixty four. Bro, it was bad. Arkansas Arkansas couldn't shoot to save their life. Um, so you know they just they they Duke 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 made it to the final four, and this is they're playing like the squad that a lot of people thought could win it all coming into the season and you get to North Carolina coach Hubert Davis first year as as the head coach uh, you know following the historic tenure of Roy Williams and in my opinion North Carolina is playing the best basketball and I'm not just saying that because I'm a North Carolina fan but when you look at it they have been dominant outside of the second half against Baylor which by the way if you look, Baylor went. They were they were beating Baylor by like twenty five, and then, you know, uh, Brady Manick gets ejected. Then you lose Caleb Love. He 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 fouls out. So at that point, you're losing. 
a person that's pretty much well on his way to 40 points because Brady Manning was going crazy. You lose your second ball handler and pretty much your best shot creator in Caleb Love. So it's like it was just a recipe for disaster. But they were able to North Carolina was able to come through against Baylor. So, like I said, North Carolina, in my opinion, is playing the best basketball. They were they were destroying Baylor, which was the number one seed in the East region. They beat uh, they beat UCLA when UCLA was winning majority of the game. It was just until the end, and that's the game where Caleb Love went crazy. Caleb Love had like three points at half, and then finished the game with thirty. So I just feel when you have uh, Amando Amando Baycock who tied no yeah tied. Tim Duncan with the most double doubles in in a season. When you have Caleb Love, who can who can you know, Caleb Love is kind of <sighs> Caleb Love and R.J. Davis kind of uh, are perfect are a perfect couple as far as they both can score. They both are really good ball handlers. It's just you you don't want Caleb Love being a decision maker. You don't want Caleb Love being a decision maker because. Most of his decisions are always score, 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 because that's just his mentality. R.J. Davis, while he isn't the best scorer or while he's not the same level of score that, you know, Caleb Love is, he's a better distributor. He's a better person that can control the offense. And then, of course, you have Brady Manick, who can who is incredible from three, who was a transfer from Oklahoma. You have Amano Baycock and you have Leaky Black, who doesn't look to score at all. He just he he just dominates defensively. I think North Carolina is playing the best basketball they played all season, clearly, and I think that they're playing the best right now. Uh, and of course, the St. Peter's game when they won by twenty. So again, Duke versus North Carolina. This is the first. This is the first time in the historic rivalry that both teams will be seeing each other, uh, seeing each other in the in the in the tournament. North, the last time they played clearly was Coach K's last home game, and North Carolina came out on top. <sighs> I can see. So, how can Duke win? Let me say. Let me let me do this first. How can Duke win? Duke can win by controlling the tempo of the game, coming defensively because you have you know when you have Roach, who, you know their their guard. When you have AJ, you're going to need to control the tempo. You're going to need to slow down Caleb Love. You're going to need to slow down RJ Davis, and you're going to need to match. You're going to need to out. You're going. You need to get Amano Baycock off the off the board. If you can get Amano Baycock off the boards, which he's a walking double double at this point, you have and and try to get him into foul trouble. You have a you have a a recipe to win. Also. Well, more than likely, they're going to put Leaky Black on Bancaro. Leaky Black is 6'7". Bancaro's like 6'10". So it's like you're going to need to bang. Bancaro clearly is is going to be a lottery pick in, in the draft. You're going to need to win that battle. Um, But this this is an historic. This is the first time ever, again, in this historic rivalry, in my opinion, the best rivalry in sports. So Duke is going to have to control the tempo, and they're going to have, especially defensively, and they're going to have to get Amano Baycock into. Because I mean, out yeah, Duke is is a springy team, but they don't really have 
a player that can match, you know, Amano Baycock. So, going to get him into foul trouble. North Carolina side, how they can win. Caleb Love's going to have to continue his hot streak. Also, Amano Baycock's going to have to stay out of foul trouble. Because what North Carolina does is they like to play about five or six, a five or six man rotation. One, Amano Baycock comes off the floor. They don't really have a second big that can kind of, you know, stir the ship or no, steady the ship. And that's one thing that North Carolina's always had. They've always had at least two uh, bigs, you know, Hicks and, and Kennedy Meeks. They had Bryce Love and Kennedy Meeks. They've had, they've, they've always been dominant with the bigs. Outside of Amano Baycock, while yes, you have Brady Manning, he's more of a stretch. He, he's not really a big that's going to just, you know, he's going to work down low. No, he's a stretch. He shoots almost like 45 or 50% from the three-point line. And he's not the best defender, but he, he will light it up from offense. So, Amano ba- Amando Baycock needs to stay out of foul trouble. And I think that if you and if North Carolina can control the pace, because what North Carolina wants to do is, of course, go back and forth. That's that's kind of what Duke wants to do as well, but North Carolina kind of plays it at a better pace, especially at this how they've been playing this point of the season. I you know that's 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 the keys to winning. Now of course now I'm going to put my bias in it. I'm going to say North Carolina wins this. While yes, I think that well I'm not going to say there's more motivation for Duke because I mean you're you're playing. You're trying to make it to the national championship. So there's motivation everywhere. But I do think that North Carolina is playing their best basketball. Um, I, and again, as a North Carolina fan, I didn't see how they were going to beat Baylor, even though Baylor did, uh, you know, a couple of their players were injured. Baylor is a better team, uh, especially offensively. So was UCLA better offensive team than Duke. I just feel if, if North Carolina comes with a defensive mindset they can win and I think that they're going to win I think North Carolina which is the lowest seed remaining of course because they're the eighth seed I think North Carolina makes the national championship and as to me as a fan that's still crazy to say seeing how this season went some of the big losses that North Carolina experienced and being in a being in a I think arguably the toughest uh, toughest region, which was the East, because you saw you had Baylor, you had Kentucky, you had uh, UCLA, you had Purdue, and I mean, if you look, <laughs> Baylor has players that's going to the league. Uh, Kentucky clearly has players that's going to the league. Purdue has a player in Ivy that's probably going in the top three. So I just, you know, I thought it was, I, <laughs> I thought it was going to be tough, but. North Carolina's here. So I have North Carolina beating Duke in a very close one, probably 70, 75 to 71. I think it's going to be a close game. So that's that's what I have for North Carolina and Duke. And, again, shouts out to North Carolina for making it to the Final Four. Shouts out to Duke for making it to the Final Four. Uh, shouts out to Coach K, Herbert Davis, like I said, African-American coach, first year. He was, you know, he did play for North Carolina back then. Uh, won a national championship with North Carolina, I believe, actually, when he was a player. But, you know, shouts out to them. Let me go over to the other side, other region, or which is, or other Final Four, which is Villanova in Kansas. Now, when I tell you, <laughs> excuse me, when I tell you that I've never seen a team, that's a lie. 
the way that Baylor turned up on North Carolina when uh you know they lost Brady Manick and Caleb Love is the same exact way I saw Kansas turn up on Miami in that second half. Miami had all the momentum going into halftime. And when I tell you that it took about two to three minutes to realize, oh, yeah, it's over with. <laughs> and that, uh, good Lord. Now, Kansas is the only remaining number one seed in the in the tournament. And they played like it, man. They played like it. it man, it, whew. It, now, Kansas, 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 Kansas. Kansas has some players, man. You have Oche uh, Abaji, who is, of course, their leader and their senior. You have uh, Christian Braun, who's been good. It, they they have a squad, man. And the thing about the thing about Kansas is they are they don't really at least this point in this in the in the tournament they don't really have a weakness because they can beat you offensively they can beat you defensively they can boggle down the, the thing that kind of didn't mer- Miami in and the thing that I the biggest reason why I didn't think Miami was going to win is because they don't really have a big and Kansas <laughs> has a big that more than likely could get drafted uh so I you know yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's when you don't have a big to go against David McCormick, it's, it's, it's going to be a long day for you. A very, very long day now. Oh, and, um, uh, Lightfoot, who's a Ford, but he's, he's good too. So Kansas has been, you know, Bill self. I think that North Carolina and Kansas kind of go back and forth as the most winningest franchises in uh, college basketball. I, I just I, I think that you know Kansas they 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 had a tough road. You know they had to go against let's see Providence, who's number four. They had to go against Creighton. The, each every game outside of the Miami games kind of been close, but Kansas has can't. There's a reason why Kansas is number one, especially in the Midwest region. Like they they, they have been good. And they, they had a tough region going against Auburn. I mean, people that didn't re- – I mean, I had Auburn or Arizona going to the national championship and winning it. Clearly, that didn't work. So, um, Kansas has been – excuse me. Kansas has been, uh, has, been, has been dominant, man. And on the Villanova side. And that and, – and, and Villanova – first of all, shouts out to Villanova. Now, I know that's crazy for me to say, seeing as though the history that Villanova and North Carolina has, especially in the national – I mean, in, especially in um in the national championship. But shouts out to uh, – shouts out to Villanova. And I say shouts out because I am a Maryland native. Uh, I've lived in Maryland and D.C. my entire life until this point. So um, – Villanova, which Jay Wright has been very open about, does most of its recruiting in the DMV area, D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. And most of their players is, as you can see, from Virginia. Uh, either Now, of course, there's some people, but either north from Jersey to, to, to Philly, you have, you know, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, Pennsylvania. They have one from Louisiana, Pennsylvania, 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 Maryland, D.C., D.E. I mean D.E. 
Delaware. You know, so shout out to that, man. But the biggest reason, man, and, and, and it sucks. Injuries suck. Now, you kind of saw that injuries do play a part clearly in, in this in, in sports in general, but clearly this part of or this point of the season. And you saw that with Houston. So when Houston played, who did they play? It was Duke. When Houston played Duke, um, Houston now, again, shouts out to Houston, man. Houston got a lot farther than I thought. Was it Duke? Houston. Was it Duke? No, it was Villanova. I'm sorry. But you saw that with, with Houston. Houston was out there, best, their leading score. Now, usually that you, you feel the effect either sooner or, or later, of course. And again, shouts out to Houston for making it all the way to uh to the Elite Eight, but you saw Houston injuries are gonna catch up whether it no matter if you try to prevent it or not, injuries are gonna catch up to you. Whether it's gonna derail something or whatever, it's going to catch up. And it caught up to Houston. Houston Law, they they were out, they were without their best score, and in the elite eight they could not hit the side of a they couldn't hit the side of a barn with a water hose, yo. I think they went like one for twenty from the three point line. Like, ah, uh, and and I say all that to say, Villanova lost a big piece. They lost. Justin Moore. Now, while no, Justin Moore is not a starter, but Villanova, kind of like North Carolina, plays a very tight rotation. I have about a rotation of about uh, five or six at this point. And Justin Moore, I think, plays like 75% of, you know, out of all the bench plays, he plays like 75% of the minutes. And that's a huge loss. And the, now, yes, you have. Colin Giuseppe, who is incredible. He's been he's been on a tear. Uh Caleb, yeah, Caleb Daniels, who's been good. But losing Justin Moore, in my opinion, was huge. Uh Jermaine Samuels has been great as well. Jermaine Samuels, I think, is like he he's been going crazy. But Losing Justin Moore, especially when we talk about defensively, and you know, he, even if you look at the uh, Houston game, he had some really big shots. Now he tore his—I think he tore his ACL or tore his Achilles. Um, so I definitely hope for a speedy recovery. But I think losing losing Justin Moore is the is the difference between winning or losing for Villanova, in my opinion. Uh, even though they still have, again they still have some really good players, and shouts out to the players are still remaining. Um, I just think. Losing Justin Moore against Houston is different from losing Justin Moore against the number or losing Justin Moore and having to face the number one team or the only remaining number one seed, especially a number one seed who caught fire the second half of their last game against Miami. So I have a Maryland and I have a UNC Kansas national championship only because um only because of 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 Justin Moore's injury. I think if Justin Moore was there, it would be a great 
I still think it's going to be a good game, but I just I would have Villanova winning, honestly, in my opinion, if Justin Moore was there because of how important he is and his his defense. You know, you can put him on Obaji, but without it, I, I just I have Kansas winning that one. So I have uh, North Carolina and Kansas making it to the national championship. So who do you guys think is going to make the national championship? Let me know uh, out of, the, of course, the final four. What, what are you guys looking forward to? Let me know. Let's go over to the women's side, which is actually, first of all, shouts out to uh, UConn and, and, and NC State. Probably had the best game. Yeah, that was probably the best game. Maybe I would rival that game. No, no. I think that NC State... I think that NC State and uh, UConn probably had the best game in March, as far as both tournaments, both March, uh, both men's and women's tournament. UConn, of course, coming or beating NC State ninety-one to eighty-seven, it was an incredible game. Both both or they went to double overtime. NC State hit some clutch buckets, man. Paige Beckert, uh, she she I think she had like. Almost, she had like 28, 29 points. AZ Fudd had like 19. Shouts out Maryland pro- or DC product. It's now. Damn. So I'll say my gripe. I don't understand. I, now, nobody has been able to tell me why. So I'm just going to remain as I don't understand. I don't understand how you can have a region. And in said region, a team can have home court advantage. And the team that has home court advantage is not the number one overall seed. So what I'm saying is UConn plays in the Bridgeport or plays in the Bridgeport region. Now, while UConn does not originally play in Bridgeport, their their arena is probably about 45 minutes to an hour from Bridgeport. Maybe hour and a half. Which is which is pretty much a home game. North Carolina is nowhere close to Connecticut. So why is it that? And, and don't get me wrong. Do I think that that changed the outcome? Do I think that UConn would not have won? No, but I do think that that it. You know, let me say no. Possibly because there's there's difference between having home court advantage and and not. That's 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 why it's called home court advantage. So how is it that NC State, who Earned the number one overall spot now in the in the lead eight have to play pretty much an away game. Yes, they they have the white jerseys, which which signals home just due to the fact that they have a better, you know, they have a higher seed ranking. But you're playing, you're pretty much playing an away game, and it felt like it. Like it, now again, both teams played incredible, and I'm not I'm not taking anything away from UConn. I'm just. Shedding line in fact, like if you look, Baylor had home games. It just now Baylor did lose home games, but like I'm, I don't, you know, South Carolina had home games. I, I, I don't know, man. It's just it's just weird in my opinion. Um, but it is what it is. Shouts out to UConn, uh, for making it to the Final Four. They'll be going up against Stanford, and Stanford, man. Shout again, and I say this again. Shouts out to Takira Carter because. I knew Stanford was good, and of course, you know the number one seed. 
I, in the Spokane region. I knew they were good, but I just didn't think Stanford was. Stanford right now looks better than they did last year. And last year, for people that don't remember, they won the national championship. Stanford is playing incredible. Their 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 defense is they're, they're, man. Stanford is is playing great. So, and I I didn't I didn't really see anybody being them from their region. However, I didn't think that Stanford was going to look this good. Uh, and, and they've been incredible. So. The question is, can UConn, Stanford, in my opinion, is a better team than NC State. And NC State is incredible. But Stanford, they do things very methodically. Like They cut perfectly. They hit the open shot. They, they're great, They're great, especially um, on the offensive rebound, on the defensive rebound. They're great at the free throw line. They're just, while NC State maybe shoots a better three-point shot, Stanford, in my opinion, does everything or does everything just a tad bit better than NC State? And UConn, it took an incredible second half from AZ Fudd and from Paige Beckard to get them a double overtime win. That is that is that's tough. And one thing that was glaring in that's in the UConn and NC State game was free throw shooting. Make your free throws. Uh Especially the first half of the game, UConn could. I think they were like one in eight at one point. Like they couldn't hit the they couldn't hit the free throw to save their life. And in the in the in the I think second overtime, young lady from a uh, from NC State had an opportunity to tie the game up because she got fouled shooting three. She missed one. So free throws are important. Stanford is incredible. I, I just have Stanford going to the national championship. I, I think that they're going to have an answer for Paige Becker. They're going to have an answer for AZ Fudd. They're going to have an answer for uh, UConn does an incredible job crashing the boards. I just I just think Stanford is is playing at an incredible level, and as well as UConn, but Stanford's playing at an incredible level right now. I mean, they they beat Kansas. They beat Maryland. They handily too Maryland. They beat Texas pretty handily, even though it was a nine point game. Texas pretty much had to come back at the end. I have Stanford going to uh, the national championship over UConn, even though UConn has played great too. I mean, UConn destroyed Mercer clearly. They beat they beat uh, UF uh, UCF. They beat Indiana. They destroyed Indiana. Good Lord Almighty. So. Yeah, man. Shouts out to uh, shouts out to UConn for making it. Shouts out to Stanford for for making it. I have Stanford in this on this side going to the national championship. And uh, on the other side, you have number one South Carolina against number one Louisville. Oh, I did fail to mention that Stan uh, UConn was the only uh, two seed to make it to the final four. Everyone else is one seeds, um, meaning that NC State was the only number one seed to fail to make it. First of all, let me let me uh, let me apologize to Louisville, man. I had Louisville. I didn't. Th- I t- if you go if you look back on the preview that I did with uh, Jasmine Brown, with Tykira Carter, with uh, my man Carl, I per- I didn't think that Louisville was good enough to make it out of this round or make it out of this this region. I mean, to me, they had the hardest region by far. You had Baylor. You had Tennessee. 
you had um Michigan like and it, they they had the toughest road in my opinion by far. And while I knew Louisville was good, especially shooting the three as they had some really tall uh, players. I just didn't think that they could keep up with the scoring, especially when we talk about Bay or the physicality, especially when we talk about teams like Baylor or Michigan or Tennessee. And uh, I was uh, I was wrong. <laughs> they destroyed. They they destroyed. They beat Gonzaga. They destroyed um, Tennessee. They beat pretty handedly Michigan. They they did what they had to do. And um while I do think Baylor losing to South Dakota was huge, um and I think if they would have seen Baylor, they possibly would have lost to Baylor. Uh I guess we'll never know. <laughs> so shouts out to Louisville, man. And South Carolina, which was the overall toward, overall number one overall seed. Um they South Carolina has been winning with their defense. They they've they've been winning with their defense the entire time. Um, you know, beating beating Howard, beating uh Miami, beating North Carolina. They have fa- they have only scored over 70 points once. Twice, twice in the first round and against Creighton. They have not They've been beating people, def- you know, offensively. I mean, defensively. You know, uh, Aaliyah Boston has been great. Cre- great. Henderson has been great. Cook has been great. As far as defensively, I just, but I, 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 and I think that defensively they're going to remain who they are, and who they are is a dominant defensive team. The question is, is their defense going to be able to slow down Louisville and? If it's not going to be able to slow down Louisville, can South Carolina, which we have not seen all tournament, can they can their offense keep them in games? Because the offense hasn't had to keep them in games in this entire tournament. Like I said, I just feel with Aaliyah Boston, who is has pretty much played the best basketball of the tournament. I I have I I just think their defense which has carried them to the final four. I think it's going to carry them to the national championship. Because uh, Louisville, man, Louisville, and, and that's no disrespect to Louisville. It's just South Carolina has been great offensively or defensively. And while Louisville has been great offensively, I just think that South Carolina has been better defensively. So I have South Carolina and Stanford making it to the national championship um, out of the final four. I just, I just think that they're, they're, They've played the best out of all the teams remaining. And while, yes, South Carolina has struggled offensively, defensively they've been the best team, in my opinion, by by a wide margin. And Stanford, in my opinion, has just been methodical in everything they do. So I have Stanford and South Carolina making it to the uh, final, making it to the national championship. So again. On the men's side, on the women's side, let me know what you think. How do you feel about uh, Stanford? and How do you feel about my picks, which is Stanford and South Carolina making it to the national championship? Who do you think is going to win? On the men's side, how do you feel about Duke, North Carolina? That That's, that's huge to me, of course. Uh, how do you feel about Kansas and Villanova? Do you think that losing Justin Moore is – do you think that Villanova will be able to overcome it? Let me know. So let's move forward. Uh, and some NFL news. Um, NFL changed. They are changing the overtime rule. They 
which which should have been happened. Uh, of course, it took one of the greatest games that we've ever seen, which was last year. Uh, this you know the playoffs, Kansas City Chiefs against Buffalo Bills, and of course Kansas City Chiefs. All right, so the new rule in overtime is, of course, both teams have a chance to um, have a chance to possess the ball, and if you know. If you score on the opening possession as a touchdown, now the other team still gets an opportunity. If both teams don't score, it's the next score wins. Um, which that's how it should be. To me, that's the fair. That's that's fair. Uh, and it, it took, of course, the the Chiefs and Bills game to do it, to, or to to finally the owners. You know, people people like to to to. Hold on to tradition, especially when we talk about some NFL things, especially when we talk about baseball. They like to hold on to tradition. So there was a lot of people, apparently, that was split about should we change it because that's how it is. Uh, that's how it's been. But this this, this rule's been happening. This rule been should have happened. You know what I mean? Like, there's there should be no reason why both teams don't have an opportunity. You shouldn't play a great game for what? However, you know, 48 minutes and then you and then you you dictate or you or you leave it to a coin toss pretty much so nah but it it should have been happened so shouts out to the league for finally getting it right um i i think this should have been happened but i'm glad that it happened and i think moving forward it's 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 a great look so um shouts out to the league and i think that that's it's how it should have been so Also, in in the NFL, there have been improvements, I guess you can say, to the quote-unquote Rooney Rule. The Rooney Rule has been, uh, for the longest, um, that teams have to interview a a minority for whatever opening is available, whether that's GM, head coach, offensive coordinator, whatever. a A minority has to be interviewed. Doesn't mean they have to be hired, has to be interviewed. Now, I have been hella critical on the Rooney Rule. Hella critical. I'm always the one saying, you know, people will find a loophole in anything if they want to. Like, that's how it is. And there are hella hoop loopholes in the Rooney Rule. I have been very critical. But I will be, I will come on here and I guess champion the league for this recent change. Now the recent change in the Rooney rule is now the NFL says teams have to hire a minority offensive coach. They have to, there's a difference between, no, they have to hire. There's a difference between you have to interview compared to you have to hire. Now they have to hire a minority uh, offensive head coach as well as, and that includes like now the the Rooney Rule has expanded to women. I think is I think that's huge, man. Uh, you know, just because there's no women in the NFL doesn't mean that women don't know football. And I think that that's huge. Now the Rooney Rule, they you you don't have to hire a a woman, but you have to get them in the room. And I think that that's that's the most important thing. Um, I still don't like the verbiage as far as you have to interview women in this and a third, but because if you want to, if you want to be real, man, put a woman on the sideline again. There, there's a lot of women that I know that for sure know more football than me, and I'm a freaking sports podcast. So, 
But I do like the fact that, you know, the game is going in the offensive. You know, we know offense is, is pretty much king at this point in the NFL. And you want minority, whether that's African-American, whether that's Hispanic, whether that's Asian, whether that's a woman, you want you want representation at the highest level. While, yes, we're still trying to creep our way up to the head coaching spot, um, small victories, small victories. And I think this is a big victory, actually. Now that you, they have to hire an, an offensive head coach. Now, talking to some NFL players, uh, there are already mo- – most of the teams already have an offensive – it doesn't – a minority offensive coach doesn't have to be an offensive coordinator. It can be a head. It can be a running back coach. It can be a quarterback coach. It could be a tight ends coach. You just have to hire a minority offensive coach. And from a lot of people that I talk to that played in the NFL or work with that played in the NFL have said, you know, I don't think I've ever been on a team that didn't have a black coach, but now that it's man or black offensive head coach, but now that it's mandatory. And I like that. So shouts out to the Rooney rule, man, small victories, Still need to still need to figure out fix this whole um fix the whole head coaching thing. But uh small victories, man. Small victories. Uh, man, shouts out to uh Triple H, man. Now I know I'm I'm, I'm venturing over to the wrestling side. Uh, I don't really talk about wrestling. I definitely don't watch wrestling right now. But I used to watch wrestling, man. Wrestling used to be huge in my life, man. I used to I used to be a big rock, um, stone cold. I even go a little, you know, a little closer to 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 my age. Jeff Hardy was was big, um, doing the dances and everything. But shouts out to Triple H. So Triple H officially announces, I think, last week that he retires from wrestling. Now, first and foremost, I'm I was shocked as hell that he's even still wrestling. Like I said, what the hell? Like Triple H, the the you know D Generation X, like the dude that got me in so well. Dude, they got me in so much trouble because I was saying suck it to everyone, not knowing what it meant. That man still wrestling at this. I was shocked. But, yeah, he's retiring from wrestling due to health, you know, health concerns and health reasons. Uh, said it just wasn't conducive for his health anymore. And, you know, again, shouts out to Triple H for being able to walk out of a sport instead of being carried out of a sport. Uh, now, I think he'll still be a part of WWE as far as, like, the front office and stuff. But as far as, like, wrestling in the ring, yeah, I think it's, he he retired from it. Uh, Triple H, again, will go down as one of the greatest wrestlers ever. He, you know, I used to, I, again, he's on that list for me. The Rock, Stone Cold, uh, Jeff Hardy, Triple H, Undertaker, Kane, Shawn Michaels, again, with the D-Generation X. Th- th- that was my childhood. And... I, you know, I remember matches. You know, I remember Triple H uh, going against Undertaker at WrestleMania. I remember um, Triple H winning in the uh, remember uh, Royal Rumble. Like I remember all of it. I remember him winning the WWE Championship. I remember him. It was I think it was Triple H, Jeff Hardy, and uh, John Cena. For the WWE Championship, and I think that's the first. I think that was. I know that was when Jeff Hardy won, but that was one of the best matches I've ever seen. I remember Triple H, uh, you know, doing the. Triple H had kids like myself being at a bus stop, spitting freaking water up in the air. 
and just like flexing with no muscles. That's what Triple H had me doing. Like it's all about the game. You know, I was a big I was a big wrestling fan back in the day, man. So, you know, it's 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 again, now I'm not a wrestling fan now. I ain't watched it in God knows how long. But shouts out to Triple H not only for being able to retire, but retiring with the right sense of mind cuz we know the 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 grueling lifestyle that wrestlers have and uh you know being able to walk out not getting carried out so shouts out to Triple H man um yeah man shouts out to you and i wish nothing but the best for his retirement he definitely helped me uh in my childhood back in the day so shouts out bro also, speaking of last rides at this point, Albert Pujols, man. Albert Pujols, who will go down as one of the greatest, one of the greatest, uh, one of the greatest baseball players ever. He pretty much said this is last year. Um, he signed a contract or signed a one-year deal with the with the Arizona. Car- I mean, Arizona Car- with the St. Louis Cardinals, which, of course, for people that don't know, that's where he pretty much saw most of his success. Uh, from what 2001 to 2011 he went back there Uh, he also then went to uh, the Angels and then the Dodgers but yeah man Albert Pujols will go down I mean listen listen to this Albert Pujols career 10-time all-star two-time World Series champion three-time NL MVP rookie of the year oh NL rookie of the year NLCS MVP two-time Golden Glove Awards five-time Fielding Bible Award Six-time Silver Slugger Award, two-time NL Hank Aaron Award, NL batting, NL batting home run leader, two or two-time NL batting home run leader. He was a one-time NL RBI leader and an NL batting champion in 2003. Albert Pujols will go down as one of the greatest uh, baseball first basemen to ever play. Um, and he's one of the most beloved players ever. Honestly, I don't really know many people that have a problem with Albert Pujols. I, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer in my opinion for sure. Uh, he's the fourth player um, with three thousand hits and six hundred home runs, joining Willie May or with Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, and Alex Rodriguez. Oh, and he's the only he's the oldest current player to do it. So, yeah, man, shouts out to Alvin Pujols. I don't know if I mean going to St. Louis. I don't think they'll win, especially with seeing what the Dodgers did uh, this offseason with with Freddie Freeman. Um, and of course, I just don't I don't see them winning. But I do like the fact that again, Albert Pujols was able to to leave. Well, when he after this season, whether you win or not, he's able to go out on top. Go out as one of the greatest. Uh, first baseman to ever play. So, shouts out to Robert Pujols. Um, yeah, man. Definitely well-deserved. So, and lastly, before we go. I'm about to sound crazy. But, it, but let's have this conversation. I, how am I going to address this? I'll address it. So Sharif O'Neal, um, Sharif O'Neal, you know, it's been announced that he will be entering his name into the transfer portal for people that's keeping score. That is the second time. 
he was originally with UCLA. Then he went to LSU, the same you know school that his father Shaquille O'Neal went to. Now I'll be going to somewhere different. Now my problem is not with Sharif O'Neal. My problem is not with the transfer portal itself. My problem is people have to be some some players need to be realistic. Now again. I know that Sharif is on the, for people that's watching YouTube, Sharif is on the screen right now, but this is not targeted towards Sharif as much as it's targeted to much, a lot of players that put their name into the transfer portal. Um, I understand that sometimes coaches lie to get you into an organization or get you to a school. I understand that sometimes, you know, transferring might be the best thing for you, i.e., look at uh, Walker Kessler. Transferred from UCLA, I mean, no, from UNC to Auburn and has one of the most statistically dominant seasons we've seen. Hell, as well as Jabari Smith going from Georgia to Auburn and, and more than likely will be a top pick in the league or in the draft. So I get that. The problem is, though, there are, there's not a lot of Walker Kesslers. There's not a lot of Jabari Smiths. You have to be real with yourself and you have to understand, is it, the, is it just the fact that you're not in the right, right situation? Or are you just not that good? Now, there's no disrespect to anybody. If you're good enough to play college basketball, you're good enough to play college basketball. But look at players like seventh wood man who keeps bouncing from t- or who kept bouncing from team to team to team and never was able to stuck maybe it's just you people people you in my opinion people think that or some some athletes think that just because you hit transfer portal means it's just going to be sweet moving forward it's not just because you go from i don't know hell look all this almost all of south carolina the gamecocks almost the the men's side Almost their entire team is in the transfer portal. Actually, actually, I think maybe their entire team. Now, do you think like the the twelfth man on that team is gonna make a huge difference? I just think you have to be real with yourself, man. Sometimes it's not the now. Sometimes it is the organization. Sometimes it is the school, the coach. Maybe the relationship is just fractured. I don't know. But sometimes you have to look at yourself. Like, let's now. Let's now I'm going to center it and target it to Sharif. First of all, Sharif overcame, you know, health concern or health situations that a lot of people wouldn't. So shout out to him with that uh, and overcoming that. But you have to look. But the main average is like three points a game. Now, that could be, you know, the coaching. I don't know. But you average like three points a game and you didn't really do much at UCLA either. So you think the third school is going to work? I don't know. I don't know. I just some players just need to be real with themselves. And again, I'm not saying that Sharif. Sharif can go and have a have an incredible season next year. I hope he does. I hope everybody does that enter the transfer portal. But the realization is everybody will not. So, oh, and I looked up because I was wondering that, and this kind of goes back to I was wondering the other day where is Seventh Wood? Seventh Wood transferred. You know, went to North UC, uh, NC, UNC. Didn't really do much there. And I was like, oh, he didn't win national championship, I think. But where is Seventh Wood now? You know, he's at Morgan State doing nothing. So 
just saying, you got to be real with yourself. And there you have it, man. That's been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I appreciate you guys. Again, shout out to my man, Drew, for the Voorhees, um, Voorhees crew neck. I also have a Voorhees sweater um, or you have a hoodie. I appreciate you. I love them. This joint is tough, especially seeing as I played college basketball and have the the tiger as a logo hoop and that that's pretty cool. So shouts out to you, man. Um, please subscribe to whoever you're listening. Again, please subscribe to whoever you're watching. It definitely means a lot. And until next time, much love. Yeah. 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 Punch bowl full of car keys for all my friends. You get to pick your own bins. Punch bowl full of car keys for all my friends. You get to pick your own bins. The new bug guy front of my mama house. The new time off private behind my route. My new attorney get Jeffrey Dahmer's out. And all that shit I told Obama about. Ask. Shed nightmares of feds rushing in. Shared my world, they couldn't touch us in. I got it and lost it and got rich again. While y'all signed papers and handed pictures in. Taught you to fish to become fishermen. I ain't washed this money for you to risk again. We at Chip Briani's, we ain't chipping in. Niggas fighting to pay when you got richer friends. My manager started off as my publicist. He bought GT2s and bunch of other shit. My 4AM friends that I trusted in. And 20 years later, they still crushing it. So every vacation is still us again. It's baby seats back of the Cullinans. The new Bubba Watson without the mulligan. And I put all that shit under my government. Punch bowl full of car keys for all my friends. You get to pick your own bins. Punch bowl full of car keys for all my friends. You get to pick your own bins. The new bug guy front of my mama house. The new time off private behind my route. My new attorney get Jeffrey Dahmer's out. And all that yeah. shit I told Obama about. My entire life's been blessed beyond measure. If this marks the end of an era, it's been a pleasure. The wings still raise on the Carreras. The dream still king like it's Coretta. The dream still big like Miss Valletta. My chingo bling, meet me in Dulles. Covered in tats like it was colors. The last narco without the mullet. Yeah. You can't compare us to such and suches. Rapping in couples don't do it justice. Arm and hammer, you can't touch us. We crossed our fingers before we flushed it. When it ain't come back, I was disgusted. Flip my wig like I was Duddis. Die for my chain rather than tuck it. My crown is leaning, I must adjust it. Punch bowl full of car keys for all my friends. You get to pick your own bins. Punch bowl full of car keys for all my friends. You get yeah. to pick your own bins. The new bug guy front of my mama house. The new time off private behind my route. My new attorney get Jeffrey Dahmer's out. And all that shit I told Obama about. Ask him.